Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. Hey everyone, welcome back to Contractor Evolution. This is Benji, let's get started. Look, there are many competing philosophies out there around how to build a brand that customers feel a connection with. Eric Miller might have my favorite, and he is my guest on the show today. So his whole notion, which I tend to agree with, is that instead of bending over backwards to fit the mold you believe your ideal client avatar wants, it's way less work to look inward and display what's already there. In other words, finding out who you really are, who your organization really is by paying attention to what your clients already love about you and highlighting that is faster and more authentic than trying to be something you're not. Eric founded Storyhook in 2015, a branding agency obsessed with the power of stories. He's also the director of brand for Company Cam and has been instrumental in making them the household name that they are today, at least in our little space. Today's conversation is about how and where contractors can find the hooky parts of their story and put them on display, why your sales team is the ultimate proving ground for new brand ideas, and how you can use them to reality test new concepts, because believe it or not, not everything you come up with is pure gold. And lastly, we talk about the best low-budget brand upgrades that any contractor can do without engaging an expensive agency. Eric is super articulate, and I think we were able to strike a healthy balance between practical and philosophical. So I hope you enjoy it, and without further ado, let's dive in with Eric Miller. You're watching Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. You're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability. You've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Eric, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well today. It's good to see you. I'm uh, I'm glad to have you. We kind of chopped it up a couple times and, and got ready for this conversation, which is one I'm, I'm looking forward to because I love all things brand and so do you. So this should be an easy one. I um, Off the top here, I wanted to... Throw this one out there. I feel like people have a lot of weird notions and ideas or different interpretations of what brand mean. From from your vantage point, what misconceptions do most small business owners or contractors specifically have about brand? Yeah, that's I mean, that's that's a big question and a question that um, is is it. I don't know. It's asked a lot in brand circles of like, what are, what, I mean, you can ask the question of like, what is a brand, right? Mm -hmm. Is it, is it your logo? Is it, is it the, the thing that people know best about your company? I mean, I think a lot of times we think of a brand, uh, when we think of like even Apple as a brand, we immediately think of the logo, the, mm -hmm. the Apple logo. Um, and in some cases like the, the logo is, yeah, it is the the visual representation of what people understand as your brand. But then there's this like underlying subset of all the substance of what is your brand that that we don't think about. It's like the subtext of what your brand is. Mm -hmm. I think another misconception is that people think that uh, 
brand is something that like only big companies, only big companies like Apple have to think about. Um, that like, oh, I'm just a, I'm just a 10 person, 10 person shop. I don't have to think about my brand or I'll worry about that when I'm a hundred people or a thousand people. Um, and the reality is like, you're, you already have a brand. If you, if you're, if you're a, if you're a single contractor, you've got a brand. Um, you might not even have a logo, but you've got a brand. Um, and I, and I think with that connotation comes that people think that it's just, too expensive to even think about that. If you start thinking about a brand, you, you, you have to start thinking about hiring somebody to manage your brand or to give you guidance on your brand or to build out your brand. And that that's just is a ton of work that you don't have time for. That's not important. Uh, and so brand is the thing that I'll worry about when I'm hitting Much X bigger. number of dollars of revenue a year or a certain size. Can you describe your like, like Eric's philosophy when it comes to brand building, you've had a lot of reps at this through Storyhook now with company cam. Like uh, what is your personal philosophy or approach when it comes to brand building? Yeah. So the, the I'll, I'll give you just a little bit of background of like how we, like how I personally got to this point of really loving brands Please. and understanding brands. Um, it really started with being really heavy in production. So my background's really heavy in creative production. And we would be asked by companies to do a video. And then they'd be like, well, where do we put the video? Well, we put it on our website. Okay, so we'll put the video on their website. But then their website was terrible. So they'd say, can you build a website for us? And we build a website. And then they put their logo up in the corner. And the logo looks terrible. So can you design a logo? And so pretty soon what started off as like just basic creative production became hey, we're kind of building out all this stuff for these companies. And, and I personally started noticing a trend that it really didn't matter what company we were dealing with, that there were certain like industry niches that people would like fall into and they would think, oh, I'm in this industry. I have to look like the, the top people in this industry uh, in my marketing, in my creative, in my, my brand. And what we, what, what we realized is that that's not, that's not true at all. That if you're, if you're in an industry, but your personality is so contrary to that industry, it's okay to just be that personality and be authentic to who you really are. And that there is this underlying substance. I mentioned like a, uh, the subtext of a brand earlier. Yeah. Um, there's an underlying subtext of the brand that exists that maybe people don't even recognize or talk about or know that they should be talking about. And that's, that's, that's really that the core of, of my personal approach to branding is, is not trying to craft something that doesn't exist. So like, Hey, we want to craft this perfect image. That's, that feels more, that feels more disingenuous and inauthentic to say, we're going to craft this perfect image of who we think all of your customers want you to be. And you have to then like put on that mask every time you go in front of them and pretend to be that thing. Uh, mm -hmm. what, what my approach is, is like, you've got really great stuff. If you're, if you're a business and you're still in operation after six months, you've at least got like substance below the surface that people love you for. So what is that? And so we dig deep, we ask lots of questions, and we identify those things that exist in the subtext of your brand. 
that people love, love, love you for. And then we elevate that to the surface and we start to build a brand around those things. And so you don't have to put on a mask. You don't have to pretend to be somebody that you think your customers like. You actually just get to talk about the things that they already love about you. Uh, and so it makes it makes the ownership of the brand uh, very attainable. Uh, you don't have to work to own it. It's just you get to live inside that brand. Well, I've heard you say before, like, like um, you you try to uh, you're not trying to make you'd rather display versus make. And that's like a is that it, when, when you're describing about going with what's already there, looking at the story, the personality, the things that the clientele already love about you. Is that kind of what you mean when you describe it in that sort of simple way? Oh, yeah, that's a That's a great way to like put a nice package around it is that um, good branding is just displaying who you already are and instead of trying to make you someone who you're not. So and, and can I push back on that for a sec? Because so yeah. here's 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 where a lot of here's where you could we could lose listeners who have been taught the very um, and, and we've had other brand people on in the in the past who would say something slightly different. This is why I love podcasting is it's not like we don't have yeah. a final answer on anything. It's it's literally just an ongoing conversation about this. So so let, let me play with this for a sec. Um, most, you know, marketing 101, like literally your first class in university, if you took a commerce degree, if you went to community college, you took an e-course, like the first thing they're going to say is it's all about your ideal client profile and who they are and what they want. And that is, there's some real truth to that. There's some real truth to that. You do need to consider who who your buyer is and their core values and how they like to make decisions and what they get emotionally charged by. All that stuff is important, and I and I have sort of experience that 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 backs that up. Now, what you're saying is slightly different. You're saying um, not necessarily forget about them, but actually orient your. Uh, orient your focus towards your inner world, your team's inner world, and who you guys actually are. So can you maybe say a little bit more about these two ends of the poll? How can both of these comments be true? We need to focus on our our ideal uh, our ideal client profile, yes, but we also simultaneously and perhaps even to a deeper degree need to really examine who we are at our core. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's that gets at some of the difference between like branding and marketing and, and there's, there's a, if, if it's a Venn diagram, there's definitely like a, that middle section of those two circles. When we think about branding and even marketing, we, we want, really want to think about like differentiation. That's a, that's a really important word to remember because when we get into good marketing, we're, we're doing some audience differentiation. We're identifying, you know, we can't be marketing it, it, good marketing actually markets to your ideal customer. You mentioned yeah. ideal customer. That's who you're targeting. Where you shouldn't be targeting everybody because not everybody is your ideal customer. Um, for something like a product like Company Cam, we're targeting specific people in specific industries with specific needs. And, and my marketing department might not be happy with me saying this, but we're not a good match for every contractor out there. And we're specifically not a good match for like individual contractors that don't ever communicate out to anybody. Um, mm -hmm. And because the value of our product is for a certain group of people. Um, mm -hmm. And so 
the the part of audience differentiation is not just even identifying who our ideal customer is, but but also who our ideal customer is in terms of our brand. So mm-hmm. I'll stay on the company cam example is that company cam values truth and transparency mm-hmm. um, and the communication of that truth and transparency. We're that's like a very high philosophical value of our company. If a if if a customer, a potential customer of our audience doesn't value those things, we're probably just not a good fit. And and that's okay. That's 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 all right. Because it's really important for us to elevate those brand values of truth and transparency in how we talk about things, in 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 how we how we operate, how our product operates. Uh, but those are things that existed long before we started talking about them. Mm-hmm. That those were things that were buried deep. They were part of our ethos, our culture. It's part of our product. Um, and so elevating those up was not was not some like corporate fancy way of like we've crafted this vision that's going to go on the marble entryway that like yeah. has honestly nothing to do with the company that it's for. Right. Um, it's a very real thing that guides us uh, and our brand and how we talk about ourselves. And, and, but we also talk about the very real needs that our customers face. Right. And that's, that's like branding. And then there's, there's marketing and, and you can do both. And there should be a Venn diagram where there's a middle ground. Uh, but the marketing is focused heavily on the customer and the brand is focused heavily on, on the business and communicating about the business. That's a really important distinction to make, and I like how you visualized it with the Venn diagram because they are distinct sort of domains, but there's definitely overlap between the two. Let's go back to this idea of uh, display versus make for a second. If there's a contractor listening to this right now and they're doing a few million bucks a year, maybe more, maybe less, they've got a they've got a, a team that they're proud of and they're continuing to they're continuing to add to it. Uh, they've they've got a a business entity which is slowly but surely, maybe quickly but surely becoming a thing here, how should that sort of archetypal contractor, our listener, begin to understand their own story, keeping your philosophy front of mind? Where should they start looking to to unearth some of this stuff and and, and elevate that to the, um, elevate that up to the brand level of their company? Yeah, so... What we do in our process is we, we don't have like a magic worksheet or a magic like sauce Damn. that we automatically jump in and we can like create and f- identify this, this brand that exists. And um, we just ask a lot of questions. And, and, and that, is, that is how we arrive at um, where a lot of people stop and how they talk about themselves and their brand is they stop at this like what? Well, this is what we do. And you see it in all sorts of advertisements. You see it in print ads and commercials like we do this, we do this, we do this. And we do this better than anybody. We have X number of customers that love us for doing this. Um, and that's all fine. Like you have to talk about what you do. Um, and then some people go a little bit further and they talk about how. So they talk about, well, we do this this certain way. And you're going to love this certain way that we do it. Um, you're, you know, we do this other thing a certain way and you're going to love how we do this thing. Mm-hmm. And that's great. That's again, that's a, you're, we're starting to get like some differentiation because if let's say that if, if you advertise that you do siding and windows, 
Um, there's a lot of people in your market that are doing siding and windows. So you got to differentiate. Okay, well, we're going to differentiate because we do it this way. We have this specific right. process is how we do it. Um, what branding, we, we want to dig deeper and go higher in that like hierarchy and like ask why. Why do you do that that way? And why do you do that? Um, so if we're talking to uh, an exteriors contractor, why, why do you do siding that way? And why do you do siding at all? What is that? Like what drives you? What gets you on the job site? What, what forces you into like working till two in the morning doing, doing your bookkeeping before tax day? Like what is that thing that continues to drive you? Um, and, and so the question is like, why am I doing this? And we want to get to that level because that level is, is, is actually what like exists way down deep in the core of like your operation and your philosophy and your, your culture. There's something there that differentiates you from everybody else uh, that, that we want, like in good branding, we want to surface and bring to the top and identify that thing of like why before, before the how and before the what. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and once you identify that, why we can start giving some, like the, the challenge of branding at that point is like, how do we put some structure around that so that it makes sense? Right. Because we can kind of maybe imagine why what's important, um, why that thing that we've identified is important, but it, it can be hard to put structure around it. Well, that's a great point that you just make because I like, I want to, I, I kind of want to talk about how to, I love this, this, what, how, why sort of paradigm that you've just given. Um, and I actually want to talk a little bit more about the why side of it in a second, but going back to your comment about structure, like with brand, um, this is one of those things in business that where you, you know, if it's not done with some structure, it, you can just veer into like fluffy la la land ideas, space, blue sky, green pasture land forever. And it, you, you never do yeah. anything with it. Yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah. That's a huge problem. You guys have obviously figured out how not to do that because the company cam brand is so well recognized in our space. It's widely respected. It's also widely understood understood kudos to you guys mm -hmm. so yeah. any thoughts on adding the structure element to this so that so that these ideas which are powerful and they are important but they do need to be implemented how do we get them out of the ideas sphere and into the real world sphere where it can actually do something for our company yeah uh i mean you know i already mentioned asking lots of questions um it's getting that into a structure it, it, it does require some like, hey, we're just going to buckle down and 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 draw some like mental lines around some of this stuff. And and I'm not inventing this like why, how, what structure. This is this is very much taken from from Simon Sinek and 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 start with why. And if if like you you haven't read it, it's really great, even just from a personal standpoint to to more to better understand yourself and what drives you. Um, but it's very easy to then translate to an organization and, and start thinking and putting some structure around these things. And the, 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 a conceptual way of understanding some of this before I start talking in, about structure is that a lot of people have talked about, or people might've heard like the old marketing sales adage of don't sell the drill bit, sell the hole, right? You're selling the hole that the drill bit makes. And, and the, 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 the why actually goes to like, well, why do you want the hole in the wall in the first place? What are you going to put there? And that's actually why um, you want that drill bit. 
And, and so it's, it's not about selling the drill bit or the hole, but it's about selling like what you're doing with the hole. And, and so it requires some extra effort to get there. Like I said, for company cam, it's, it's the why is we want to build trust through truth and transparency. Mm. And then that, that we have that statement. We've put some like a little bit of shape around it and it doesn't have to be perfect. We, we go by like in branding, it's very important to know like, that your brand does evolve. It's not something that you that do once and then it's done forever. Now, yeah. Five years from now, your brand is probably not going to be what you had five years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. that's true for Storyhook. That's probably true for Breakthrough Academy. Like that's going to be true for every brand. We go through this evolution. So don't try to hit a hundred percent, hit like 80%. We just need some structure, some words around it. And, and now the real structure building becomes, does our how tree up to our why? Mm-hmm. Um, do, do, if, if we have a specific process for, for doing the thing we do for the, what is that in, does that tie into the why? And if it does now we get, we get to talk about like why we, why we do a certain thing for, for siding and windows, why we do that. And this is how we do it. And, and then at, by that time, the customer's like, I'm good. Like, you guys are differentiated enough from everybody else out there uh, that that the what is almost like a non-issue. You don't have to talk about what they are looking for. They want to make a decision on 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 honestly the why because they care about about that. Hmm. Um, and the why can be as simple as like, what's your story? Um, that's that's a great place to start. That's that's why it's called Storyhook. Is that we believe that every single organization has a story, and it's not an about us description. That's not what a, what a story is. Um, it's the thing that, that makes you who you are and makes that business who it is and why people want to patronize that business. Um, I, I tell people like asking a lot of questions of yourself is really hard. Yeah. Um, but asking your customers is another great way, uh, getting feedback from your, from your salespeople because they're on the front lines, they're hearing objections, they're hearing like good, both good, bad, and ugly. Uh, comments. Mm-hmm. And so what are some consistent themes that you're hearing? Uh, this one, this other, like ask your competitors. I'm sure that your competitors know or have an idea of why customers are choosing you over them Yeah, and ask them why they think that is. That starts to like give you some like, you know, you're, if we're digging this thing, this brand thing out of the ground, it starts to like uncover a layer of like, right. oh, I don't have the full shape, but I'm starting to see bits see and pieces. See a corner here. I can uh, see a silhouette here. I can yeah. get, yeah, yeah. You know, it's I, yeah. just a comment here on on going back to this this why thing. I've always understood like, you know, when you listen to clips of Simon Sinek on YouTube talking about start with why or you hear speakers at conferences bring it up. It's usually delivered um, f- on the... People are talking about it more as a motivating force. So when people say, here's why you need to have your why, usually what they say, and I catch myself saying this sometimes, and it's not that it's inaccurate. It's just an incomplete picture. It's like you need to understand your why because it's going to get tough one day and money's not going to motivate you and you need a deeper purpose to get yourself out of bed on those days and it's so important and so make sure you have a why, blah, 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 and they do a mic drop moment and everyone claps. Oh, he's a genius. Yeah. Okay, so like that's part of it. But here's what I'm learning from what you just said. Your why does play an incredibly important role for those tough days that you need to get through. Yes. 
but it also operates at the level of brand. And so this is the flip side of the coin on the why conversation. It, 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 it will get your ass in gear when making money is no longer that motivating force, but it also plays a hugely influential role on how you communicate what you do and how you do it to the marketplace. That's what you're saying. And so to just linger on that for a second, Okay, well, I, let's use the window and let's use the window inciting company as an example. It's like, why do you? So why do you do? Why do you? Um, why do you install windows and doors? Well, because people need them, and we know how to do them. Well, that would be like a fairly basic. That would like a fairly basic version of answering that question. But then I think the more you think about it, and the more you see a corner emerge here and a story your narrative emerge over there and you've given us some good ideas around uh, how to extract that to talk to customers talk to friends and colleagues yeah. uh, if you have relationships yeah. with competitors even talk to them your why goes from a very sort of like um, a like a st a stick a stick figure image, like a very low resolution image to something that's actually quite evolved and developed and does make sense and does have some hooks. I'll, well, you're just kind of playing around with this idea. I'll chuck one out to you. Um, our why at Breakthrough Academy is we transform honest, hardworking contractors into truly thriving entrepreneurs like that. That means something to us. You know what I mean? And it means yeah. something to them. Yeah. And when we talk about that in, in, uh, you know, in a brand environment, in a marketing exercise, maybe we speak about it on stage. Um, it, I ha it's almost like a psychological hack. Like people go, oh my God, yeah, finally, someone who wants to turn us hardworking contractors into truly thriving entrepreneurs. And you're like, wow, that yeah. like that worked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the why statement, I mean, your, your why statement is a great example of like, that's, that's, that's a statement about a movement. Right. Like that's, that's not a, uh, like if, if you were broken down to, to your what, uh, that's not a movement. And that's, that's like, oh, well, we're better than everybody else and we do it better than everybody else. I, I don't really necessarily want to be a part of that. Like I, I maybe like, maybe if the, the, the brand, like the logo is cool enough, you have good merch, like maybe I'll kind of like buy into that as like a lifestyle thing. But, but when you get to your why, it starts to become a thing that like people start to gravitate toward because they want to be a part of something bigger. And it sounds like that I totally am, am, am aware of how cheesy and how like marketing and brandy that yeah, sounds. Yeah, like I totally I get that. But, but it is absolutely true. And, and if we look deep into the businesses that we love, we realize it. There are a lot of like brands in our industry that are only special to us because it allows us to be a part of a movement. And I, I think specifically tool brands are very good at this, mm. that, that they, they like, you can go back and forth on what impact driver is best. Like there's all sorts of comparisons and competitions about that. But at the end of the day, people end up choosing like a certain tool for the most part, because they want to be a part of that thing that, that, that tool creates as far as the, the community of, of people that surround it. And that's not by mistake. Like there, there are some intentional movements by, by brands like that, that, that work toward that. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, for, I would argue for every single business that there is a story and there is a why that is compelling that, that makes 
customers want to be a part of that thing that they're doing. But here's the great thing is you already have the story. This isn't some fictional narrative that you need to write. It's something you need to examine about yourself and your team and your culture and your service and what you do. It's already there. It's your job to unearth it and display it, like you say, rather than doing that sort of operating in this abstract place where you're trying to create something that isn't in fact already in existence. It's not that hard, guys. This is what Eric's saying. It's like, you're already doing it. (laughs) Just say it a little bit more consistently concisely and, and put it on your website and put it in some sales collateral and this and that. I, I, there's something yeah. that we, we um, just kind of stumbled upon that I think is worth mentioning. And I, I have a lot to say about this, which is using your sales force, using your sales team as a litmus test for brand ideas. So if you are at the stage in your business where you're big enough to have um you know what one if you have one salesperson or if you're still the salesperson that's actually totally fine uh but if you have a few if you have like a, a team of two or three or four where you can actually use this at scale your sales force is the ultimate testing ground proving ground for brand concepts and so what i found incredibly useful is taking things that i think will work at the brand level at the marketing level and trying it out in sales meetings so if you you know um so stand up comedians talk a lot about open mic nights as their where they go to work out material. You as a contractor, your estimates, your design meetings, your whatever you call them are your open mic nights. So you get to go there and try out these different things in a in a microcosm, not in public, not, you know, displayed on mass just with one individual and what you're paying attention to is does this idea this soundbite, this this part of our story that I've uncovered, mm-hmm. this uh, little bit of copy that I think would would work well on our website, does this get heads nodding? Does this elicit some sort of response from the person I'm selling to? And you'll notice if you hit paydirt on this, you'll see your customers go, oh yeah. Like they'll like you'll see yeah. it in their body. They'll be like, yeah, totally. I love that. That makes sense. They'll come closer yeah. to you. They'll feel trust with you. And it's so palpable. But here's the flip side. You're gonna, and I'm saying this from experience because I do this all the time. 70% of the time it's not going to work. Okay. Like not all your ideas yeah. are good. You're going to try it. You, you'll see yeah. this. You'll have this thing yeah. that you thought was a stroke of genius. And then you'll, you'll kind of like, you'll deliver it in, in, in a, an appointment and they'll just be like, yeah, huh? And then that's, yeah. your, that's your, that's your little sign. Okay. You know, this probably doesn't belong on the website. I thought it was a good idea, but I've clearly, uh, I'm wrong. Uh, back to the drawing yeah. board. So I just, I, you know, when we're ta- here's another great point from to take this from abstract and ethereal conceptual to very, very real. You use your estimates as an open mic night to work out material and the stuff that floats to the top after you try it 10 times and it seems to be working, then it's like, Hey, I actually think this is a really important part of our story. Where does this fit? in our brand narrative. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that, that not so, so company cams over 200 people. Most of the time, by the time you reach 200 people, the, the departments have all kind of like broken off. They're siloed off pretty well. One of the, our big advantages is that, that our brand person and our sales enablement person are like really closely intertwined Mm -hmm. because the sales those sales calls are like, that's the, that's, that's where the war is taking place. That's like the front lines. Yeah. 
And if I'm feeding, if I'm feeding brand and messaging over there and it's just not resonating, it's not working. They say it, they talk about it, they illustrate it, they demonstrate it. And it's like just falling flat. That's not, that's not me to try. It's not my job to then try and push harder and be like, no, you're not doing it right. No, it's my job to be like, okay, we're obviously something is like, people still like our product, but the way we're talking about it is not great. And they're not resonating with that. And so it, there's this cycle that has to happen. And, and some of that is too, that, that if, if you're, if let's say that you've got three sales guys out there and, and you have this, you, you formulate your why you put some structure around it. You kind of, you kind of put some messaging around it and you send it out with these sales, these sales guys. And, and it just falls flat. Like they, maybe, maybe they get in front of 10 customers and it just falls flat. You have to ask yourself, is, is our messaging falling flat? Is our, is our brand just not resonating or, or are these, like we talked about customer dif- like differentiation and audience differentiation. Maybe these aren't the right people. That could also uh, be true. Some. Yeah. And, and for, for, for some people, I mean, if, if we're thinking about how you differentiate yourself as a, as a business, and let's say that maybe your primary differentiator is price that, that is like, I would really encourage you to hunt back backward for your why, why, why do you differentiate by price? Why do you like offer a really low price? Is it because you want to serve more people? Is it because that not, you want to be able to serve the people that can't afford this other great thing, but you want to provide it at a value. You want to provide a valuable service to these people. Um, cause now you start to, now we're starting to cover, uncover that next layer. Right. And, and for some people, some audiences, it might just be about price. And they don't care about quality. They don't care about your why. They don't care about your story. They are just out to find the cheapest person yep. they can possibly find. And and I would argue, like, if your why is about about excellent product, excellent service, and like durability, environmental, like any one of those things, lowest price is probably not going to be your right, your best customer. And that's okay. That's okay, because it's it's your brand. Uh, to because to like to stoop low to serve that customer means that you are actually sacrificing your brand to do that. Uh, and your, your brand that you're cultivating starts to take a hit when you start doing that over and over and over again. Uh, and, but, but like that, that is the testing ground for, are we resonating? Is, are we, are we even something special? And, and, you know, if you've been in business for long enough, this is, this is, this is my own philosophy and, and it, and it, happens every time we get into a branding project is that I go into that project hundred percent believing that that thing that we talk about, like that's buried hundred percent believing that it's, that starts, there's something there Yeah. that if it takes two weeks, two months, six months, I a hundred percent believe that it's there. It's just, a, it's just about surfacing it. And, and, and it, sometimes that takes like little work. Oh yeah. You guys know exactly why you're in business and what makes you tick. And sometimes people just don't, and that's okay. You know, it's, it's it's, the parallels between business and like the human species are really clear. And I'm getting again, kind of philosophical here, but every individual goes through the same journey as a person in your teenage years, in your early twenties, for some people it happens sooner, for some people it happens later. But at some point, every, every, um, I would say, you know, evolved person who wants to self-actualize and get the most out of life goes through the painful exercise of asking, who am I? 
Like, who am I mm-hmm. in this world? And if you're lucky and you have a good support system and you kind of m- maybe do some work on this, uh, maybe that involves some counseling, maybe that involves some mentorship, maybe that involves uh, some prayer. Like, it, it's, you know, it looks different for your person. But, yeah. it, but my point is you get to a point where you actually go, oh, you know what? I know who I am in the world. And all of a sudden yeah. things get a whole lot easier for you, a whole lot easier for mm-hmm. you because you're attracting the people you want to hang out with. You're repelling the people you don't. You have some swagger. You have some confidence. This isn't this angsty, confused and existential stage that you were at when you That's were right. 16 or 17. For me, yeah. it was like 18 to 21. Brutal. And so, but here's my, my, my point is businesses operate in the exact same businesses are entities too. And you will go through your own journey as well. And it, the, mm-hmm. the questions one needs to ask oneself aren't actually that dissimilar. One's just an individual. The other one is an entity with many individuals. It's a team, it's a group, it's an organization. And I just think the parallels between those two are, are kind of compelling. I wanted to, um, I wanted to bring up yeah, one I mean, the, let's go ahead. The, if, so, so you open up like a really interesting philosophical thought on branding, which is it's, it is all about identity. And that, that, like you said, we all hunt through that for our identity and, and uncovering our own identity is not that much dissimilar. That's why if you, if you read Simon Sinek's book, start with why he has a process of doing it as an individual and doing it as an organization. And, and it's, Identity is a big deal that we don't often think about. And you describe that like parallel perfectly. And if that, if that helps people to think about like their organization as an individual with an identity, that's a, that's a really great framework to think about that, that we naturally can process, uh, as, as an individual identity and not necessarily as an organizational identity. I think that's such an easier place to start for someone that mm-hmm. is running their business rather than graphic design ter- terminology and hex colors and like all you, you can right. really get into a world that you're unfamiliar with pretty quickly in this arena. And that's kind of what I like, why I was excited to have you want to just talk about this, like, like the, like the display versus make angle, like start with who you are and go from there and build from there. Uh, and, and like you said, trust that there is something, there is something there. It mm-hmm. might take you, it might take you a little while to figure that out, but there is something underneath the surface in that subtext. The other, um, yeah. I wanted to make a comment about one other guardrail that I think needs to exist when talking about brand and, and that is like, is it true? Um, one thing that I have noticed in the Cap, you know, we're talking about brand, which is philosophical, but this exists in an environment that is, uh, has capitalist underpinnings and there are results that need to be Mm -hmm. hit Mm -hmm. and boxes that need to be checked and deals that need to be done, et cetera. And so what you need to be really careful of, uh, when doing this is watching for what I would call over-optimization, which is people become so narrowly focused on those things, getting the deal, securing the client, whatever, mm-hmm. that you stray, you stray sometimes a little, but in, in bad case scenarios, a lot, way far away from what is actually true about your offer. And so you're talking mm-hmm. about features and benefits that you don't deliver. You're talking right. about aspects of your service that you do not have a process around whatsoever. And then you mm-hmm. end up into kind of cheesy, corny, used car salesman land. And it, but the, the reason I bring this up is 
guys, it happens so fast. Like it happens yeah. so fast. So there needs to be some mechanism in your brand and marketing and sales organization that is checking assets, that is checking copy, yeah. that is checking everything that you, brochures and sales pitches. And that's why we do one-on-ones or ride along with our sales team. Part of it is to coach them, but also part of it is to make sure that yeah. what we're promising is being delivered. I heard there's a really great quote that I got from this back in the college pro days. We used to have this brand consultant come in and talk and we were all really young and didn't know anything about this. And he just like left our jaws on the floor. I just thought he was so smart. Um, and, and he, he defined brand as, as the sum of an organization's promise, uh, the sum of an organization's promises made and delivered. And the important part is the and delivered part. So this is not just, you can't just be writing checks all day that your brand yeah. and your company can't cash. Make sure that at some point in this process, you don't stray into that over-promised territory, over-optimized territory, because then you actually do a ton of damage. And this whole mm-hmm. fun conversation we're having works in reverse and it works against you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so an, another good image that, like helps, I think people understand how brand kind of works is that brand is almost never like moving neutrally across the graph. So if we imagine a graph, brand is either ticking up or ticking down and, and there's all sorts of variables that are involved there. And to unpack all of them just gives, it gives me anxiety when I think about the brand that I manage here of all of the things that like could be ticking our brand down but, but at the end of the day, like one of the best things that we can do as a brand is, is to evaluate, are we over-promising and under-delivering? And we want to make sure that the promises we're making, especially at the brand level, especially at the high level things we're saying about ourselves, can we actually deliver those? Um, we, we just went through a process of like, really defining, there's all sorts of branding processes that happen in a large organization like company cam, but we just went through a process of really defining like our, how would we categorize our product? Mm. Um, and again, this is one of those things it lives down there and you have to approach it with like, I really believe that it's there. It's just a matter of finding it. Um, and, and the, the category that we landed on is visual first job site communication. And we had to, we, that went through the ringer. Because we had to look at that last word and say, can we promise that and deliver on that? Can we promise an, a great experience of communication and deliver on it? Because that's, if we say that we are a visual first job site communication and we can't deliver on the communication, that, that like you said, that's, that's moving our brand in reverse. We've done all this work and we're only just running it backward. And, and that's super common for businesses is that you really want to promise that thing because it's really aspirational and you, you know, your customers are going to love it, but can you actually deliver on it? And that's, that comes back to that, like sales, brand, marketing, owner sync of like, they, we've got to be all in sync here. Our messaging has to be consistent. And, and this is, this comes back to like, why I think the why is so important is because it provides like a filter and a framework for running some of those promises through Yeah, of, of if, if breakthrough Academy just went all out and started to become like a merch warehouse, <laughs> is that, is that aligning with the why? Like it might be super fun and people might love you for it, but is that aligning with your why? Mm-hmm. And if it is great. And if it's not, maybe that's just a side feature of who we are. 
Uh, but we want to focus on our on our why and what we're promising in our why. But your um, your comment about it it it's almost never neutral. I think is a really hooky thing to remember for people. It's yeah. It is either. I mean, like you know, like that old saying. It's like you're either growing or or you're dying. Like like yeah. your brand is either yeah. helping you or it's hurting you. It's it's never yeah. just like they're doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. If you do nothing to it, it's it's going down. Right. It's actually what we call that. We. It's not our term. I don't know who termed it or whatever, but we we talk about the the term brand gravity. It just it has a gravity, and so it's it's if it were if we're back to the chart, it's pulling it down. By doing nothing, your brand continues to like just drop. What does and, that mean, brand gravity? So, like you, you mean like it? Just that there's a there's just a gravity to your brand that it's it can't it can't just float in midair on that chart. That if your brand is like a, a line chart and a ticker going across the screen. There's a there is a weight and a gravity pulling your brand down if you do nothing right. to it. That, that's that's uh, that's why it always needs work and upgrade and examination. That's why it always needs work. Yeah, okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. And and but what's what's what I love about brand is that that you can you can actually put no intentional work into it. Like not knowing that, oh, I'm really investing in my brand, but actually be really investing in your brand. Uh and 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 it, it, I'll admit, it does help to be aware that you're investing in your brand because you can be intentionally making those moves. Um, but there are a lot of great businesses and a, and a ton of great like businesses in in the vertical of of contracting that that have amazing brands, and they're investing in their brands, but they may not be intentionally doing it. Yeah. Uh, but they're they're doing all the right things, right? Speaking of investing in your brand, I'd love to uh, I'd love to cl- like maybe bring this conversation home with a few let's say let's call it low budget brand upgrades. What mm-hmm. is what is cheap and cheerful stuff that a listener can do if they're if you know, because we've been very uh, been very philosophical today. What are some like bullet point things yeah. that 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 business owners can do that actually do provide an immediate imp- an immediate improvement, but they're not. It's not super cost intensive. It doesn't take months or years of planning and consideration. Like mm-hmm. what are some what are some some uh, some low budget upgrades available to us that you've seen work. Yeah. I mean, one of the first places, like there's a lot of like, like you said, philosophical work that you can put into identifying your why, identifying some of these like very high level philosophical things about your brand. Um, Then like there's work around how do people experience your brand Uh, that comes through through graphic design, which doesn't have to be crazy expensive. Those are those are easy, easy reaches of like if we want to if our why brings up some connotations of thoughts or feelings or, or an aesthetic or a look and feel invest in some graphic design to help people experience those things and how they experience your brand in like tangible ways. I'll um, actually add something on the graphic design front yeah. just to, to add another practical step for, for those of you listening, the play, here's a really great place to start with graphic design. Your business for sure has some form of production process. Hopefully you've been listening to the show enough that you know you need to build SOPs. Hopefully you have, um, <laughs> maybe some of you haven't, that's okay. But there is some 
either quite conceptual in your head or really well documented on paper in software process to how you do what you do. That is a great place to begin to build an, a very simple infographic that describes the linear process. Here's how we start a job. Here's when we, here's how the scheduling works. Here's how we blah, 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 all the way through to completion. If you build that little infographic, which will not be massive, that you can then put on sales brochures. Uh, you can put it in the collateral that your actual estimators and salespeople have when they're with the client. It will go on your website. It's a very versatile thing to um, it's a very versatile thing to create because it slots into a whole bunch of different parts of your brand and people love it. You would not believe how much more sophisticated you look where instead of just you explaining the process, you actually have something to just show them. Like, okay, so here it is. Boop, boop, boop. And you'll, it's not expensive. You go on Fiverr, 99 designs or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yep. You can get this done in, in a few weeks. Um, and you, you know, it's not going to, you're not going to do it once and it's finished forever. You'll go back to it in a couple of years when you know more and you, you'll kind of build on it. But that was, we did that. A, I did that a couple of years ago for us. Like we just didn't have something like that. And it was like an immediate boost to our closing ratio and so much less work for the sales team. And, um, that is low hanging fruit when it comes to brand stuff, specifically as it relates to graphic design. Yeah. Yeah. And I would argue that the, the design itself doesn't have to knock it out of the park. No. Because what you're actually doing there is you're investing in your, in your you're investing in your brand by elevating your customer. You know that your customer has tons of questions. They're, they don't necessarily understand your process. And so what you've done is you've gone the extra mile to prepare and legitimize yourself and your process so that your customer better understands who you are. Mm -hmm. And so you're investing in your brand by elevating your customer. And all of a sudden your customer starts to shape their opinion of your brand just based on that extra little work that you went to, to do that thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I think is a compelling um, thing to consider is naming certain pro giving labels and naming conventions to certain processes within your business. So I'll just use a pretend, uh, we'll, we'll just use a pretend, uh, pretend business, let's say like precision painting. And there's, there's going to be 10 precision paintings in every state and province in North America. Yeah. If yeah. you run a business called precision painting, here's a free idea. Literally call your process, the precise production process. TM, like yeah. all rights, like just give it a name. And then when you actually speak to people about it, you're like, ah, oh, so here at Precision Painting, we follow the precise process. And here it is with some infographics. All of a sudden you've elevated, you know, you might not, like I'm, I'm joking now, but like you might not have SOPs for all of that. That may not get followed every single time. Teehee, like we know we won't tell your secrets. But literally just g giving it some sort of label all of a sudden in the eyes of the consumer, they go, whoa, like these guys have a, they got a thing here. I want some of that. This other painting company, they don't have a, a precise, you know, the precise way or whatever, you know, so you can ham it up. You can, you can, it's your opportunity to be creative and have fun with it. But we've done a few things to yeah. naming conventions with what we do. And all of a sudden people uh, know how to talk about your stuff. They know how to ask questions about your stuff, which for a salesperson is like a dream come true. So that's another like yeah. super simple yeah. hack. It's not hard. You can change them later if you decide you don't love them, but giving stuff a name is, uh, is a, is a, is a good way to do it. What are your thoughts yeah. on, um, what are your thoughts on, on branded clothing? So, so what you're talking about is merch and, and merch is, 
I mean, merch has 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 upsides and downsides. So if uh, you know, it all comes back to to the brand. Um, investing in merch is a is a is a great move, and it's a really you know, in many cases, you've got to invest in in things that that you put your logo on anyway. Um, and so, investing in those quality things. And we've all been impressed by like, oh wow, this person just gave me this shirt, and it's a really nice shirt. It's not it's not just a fifty fifty Gildan. They're giving me a a, a nicely branded work shirt. Um, and and investing in those things is is that comes back to that brand experience. Like, how are people experiencing your brand? If they're experiencing your brand through like a really crappy pen, I'll just throw that out there. Like, that's is that if if something. that's the experience that you want them to experience, like that's fine. But I'm gonna guess that that's not the experience you want them to experience when they when they have a crappy pen and your logos on it. Uh, what do you want them to be experiencing? Yeah. We've all, we've all had that experience of like getting that thing with the logo on it. I mean, that's why on the back of an iPhone, the Apple is prevalently on there. It's like you, they want that, their, that experience of holding that phone to be associated with their brand. And so we have tons of opportunities to do that within merch. Uh, but it, but that takes just a little bit of intention and a little bit of investment. Yeah. And it's like, you said it well, your brand is going to go on it anyway, I am going to lose my mind if we order yet another round of polos that don't really fit fit that well and they're not flattering for the dad bod and after two washes it rides up on your tummy. No more polos. No, I mean, you know, whatever. Cancel me if you think I'm wrong. They're not that cool. Get your team a really cool pullover. Get them a dry fit long sleeve if that's what they like to wear. Buy something that is sleek, that is modern, because you're going to be spending money to get it printed, to get it shipped, et cetera, et cetera, anyway. Like, it isn't that much more money to get something that both your team and your clients associate with, like, man, like, that looks sick. We bought these, we bought these WeatherTech, so simple, man, like a WeatherTech, um, uh, it's like a flannel. It's like a blue flannel with our cover, with our mm-hmm. colors. Three, people still talk about them. Like three years ago, people were like, yeah. oh my God, those flannels were the best. Um, and so <laughs> that's yeah. my two cents. There's no excuse yeah. for Gilman 50-50s or bad polos. Just get, right. get them that's out right. of here. Buy cool stuff. Well, and I think there's something to be said too about like your audience and your customer. And and I mean, honestly, like we 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 didn't touch on it, but there's a whole element of branding that's that's like part of recruiting. Oh, and totally. That, that there's like your employees have an opinion on your brand, and the 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 everybody knows. I'm sure that in every town, there's the brand that nobody wants to work for, and that they've 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 built their brand, um, and and it makes it harder for them to recruit. Mm-hmm. And so when you think of merch, it's not just merch for handing out to customers, but but how do you how do you handle merch for your own employees and mm-hmm. uh, i mean company cam is a good example of that as like we have a specific style of t-shirt that we like but we're looking at like what's merch version 2 for us because we are sending this out to our customers mm-hmm. who don't just wear a regular t-shirt to work mm-hmm. and and we have an opportunity to engage our customers build our brand with our customers in a different way than we build it with with our employees I love it. Uh, stop pretending to be someone you're not. Uh, get some cheap, not cheap, but let's say inexpensive, uh, high value graphic design. Uh, give things names and buy cool clothing for your team and for your customers. These are super yeah. low budget upgrades. 
Eric, we gotta, we're, we're out of time, but this has been such a, a, a rich and fun conversation for me. You, you know I love this stuff. I could probably bang on for another two hours, but let's leave it at that. If people want to connect with you, pick your brain on all things brand, um, where would they, are you a LinkedIn guy? Should they go to the website? Like where's, where's a good place for people to reach out? Yeah, LinkedIn is great. Um, Storyhook exists on all the social media platforms if you want to hit me up there. Um, otherwise, yeah, catch me on LinkedIn and and I'm happy to to chat and respond. And I, for what it's worth, I love talking about brand things and and it gives me a ton of life and energy to do that. And and if it's if it's a 30 minute conversation to to just chat about somebody's brand like and uncover one layer i'm i'm all for it amazing thank you so much for being here today eric we'll we'll do this again soon sounds great thanks benji thanks so much for watching this episode of contractor evolution if you've already subscribed to our channel consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.